Welcome to the Jam Frequency Radio Show. This is John DiMaria, your friendly host. Every week here on the Jam Frequency Radio Show, we get to discover up-and-coming artists as well as living legends. We get to know their stories, how they create music, and what makes them unique as artists. The Jam Frequency Radio Show, where words and music kaleidoscope. In this week's episode of the Jam Frequency Radio Show, we continue our June Lake Jam Fest 2022 artist series. This week, we have the pleasure of speaking with two of the members of the band Hempstring Orchestra, Teddy T and George Bernardo. Hempstring Orchestra is a Southern California jam band with Grateful Dead roots, great chemistry, and something to sing make up this band of established players and longtime friends. The sound of the band is often reminiscent of Wilco, the band, Neil Young, Fish, and in our conversation, we'll be talking about the progress of their current album. Let's kick off the episode with some music, shall we? From their latest recording project, here's Hemstring Orchestra with Willpower. Nice and free. 
Ladies and gentlemen, on the line, we have Teddy T and George Bernardo of the band Hemstring Orchestra. Teddy is the singer, songwriter, guitar player. Did you call yourself the mayor or was George giving you that title? (laughs) George calls me the mayor. Nicely done. Everybody knows Ted. Uh, I reminded him that nobody elected me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God, that's awesome. And George Bernardo on the drums and you were, would would that make you the governor of the band? (laughs) Yeah, I guess. (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) Thank you guys for joining me today. 
we appreciate that. We're, of course, talking about the June Lake Jam Fest 2022. But before we get into that, George, you've taken on a new role in the band. I know Teddy for ages has formed the band, put the members together. But now, George, you're kind of stepping into the shoes of promoting the band and doing all of that. How did that transpire? Well, you know, Ted's pretty busy with his production company. And to relieve a little pressure from him, I'm just taking care of making posters and getting the word out, social media, what we're doing and where we're playing and just, you know. And the whole band thanks, George, because we, we didn't know that he had such a great eye for the art of the poster and the social media sites. You know, <laughs> you know He's really done that, a fantastic job. It's that thing where you do it good once, then the job's yours. Nice. And as all bands can relate to and, and fans, too, that having artwork for each show that you do and getting pumped and prepped for each performance when you're playing in jam bands on a regular basis can be difficult and challenging. You know, all the band members have really stepped up between rehearsals and booking the shows. And then George has really spent quality time getting posters together. I'm just so proud of them. The whole band's been so proud of all the stuff he's done with the lettering and just getting unique poster, unique vibe. I say poster, but funny story at the beginning, George was kind of learning how to do some posters and some social media things. And I said, hey, you know, with all the time we spend on posters and stuff, we should just focus on social media and just get the poster. You know, don't worry about a poster. Mm -hmm. And I think that really helped, didn't it, George? I guess. Yeah. You don't want to spend too much time on making posters, but uh, got to advertise the shows, too. You know, you just got to make it visible. You want people to see it, understand when it is, where it is. Hopefully, uh, your family shows. We're talking about Hempstring Orchestra, but obviously everybody's part in a band is very important. And I've done this for 30 years and I've had bands that didn't want to touch any of this band members. And I've had other band members that, you know, really jumped in. And I think right now in our time in Hempstring Orchestra, we have a good balance of the band working with each other mm. yeah. to make things happen and get the word out that, you know, we're playing at different places here, in mostly Southern California here in Orange County. Well, it says a lot about you being the mayor, just allowing others to actually <laughs> do their do their thing well and have fun with it. Art is so important to our scene, the jam band scene in the 60s, right? The artwork was such an indicative part or in addition to the scene and the creative process, but also the inspiration for getting people to the shows. And so, yeah, George, yeah. awesome. I appreciate you. Yeah, man. Awesome. But let's talk about your upbringing or your beginnings in your musical career, George. What got you into playing the drums? How old were you and what were your influences? I was really young. Uh, I can't remember, but it was, you know, watching some variety shows. I would see Keith Moon. There was a show called Wonderama. I don't know if that was a West Coast show or not, but it was definitely on the East Coast. Um, Yeah, I've heard of it. Definitely. Wonderama came to my school when I was a kid. My brother won the grand prize at the end. You know, I forget the wow. guy. I forget the guy who hosted it, but he picked the right box. You know how they had all those boxes around. My brother went up and picked the box. I mean, I think they were going to have a winner no matter what box he picked. It was one of those That's deals. Great. But he was chosen to get up there and, and pick it. So I was like, oh, my brother <laughs> does it again. Anyway, so yeah, Wonderama. Go ahead. Yeah, it was a, a show Wonderama at the time. The Who was up and coming, and um, I'm showing my age here. And uh, Keith Moon did a drum solo. <laughs> on the show and his drums were the clear acrylic drums you could see through them and he had them filled with water with goldfish inside the drum wow and I, yeah and i was like look at this 
just got me excited. And I said, I want to do this, you know, play the drums, you know. Those goldfish hearings was never the same after that. <laughs> I'm telling you, it was for the goldfish, man. <laughs> <laughs> I know the, the fish activists right now are like screaming, oh, screaming at us. Know, right? Right? Right. It's on YouTube. I'll have to look that up. I look it up. It'll, it'll, it'll show up. Now, do you put an, animals or creatures or stuffed animals inside your drum kit now as inspiration? No, or? I'm the only animal on the drum kit. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Small so, children. That was one inspiration. <laughs> and then another one was, I forget what show it was, but I saw this uh, vibraphonist and drumist, Lionel Hampton. This was before I knew who he was. And he was playing a concert and he was playing drums. And then all of a sudden he got off the drums and went over to this instrument called the vibraphone and started playing that. And that mesmerized me because I play a little mallets too. And even on our, our new album that, album that we've been working on, I've used that instrument the texture on Ted's songs. And that was an inspiration for how I got into music as well. And not to mention my parents were, they were rockers. My dad drove a Harley and uh, he customized cars. He was really popular in that area. I grew up in a rock and roll kind of family, Mm. you know, so that's how I got into the whole thing. This is a great story. He was popular in the customizing cars world. He was commissioned to build a car for Don Kirshner's daughter. Don Kirshner Rock Concerts. Don Kirshner's representative, when the car was finished, came over the house and brought us all kinds of cushion, guitars, all these instruments, you know, just watching Don Kirshner's Rock Concerts. And that happening to me as a little child, I was maybe about seven years old when that happened. You know, a great story for me. Yeah, absolutely. Was the drum kit the first instrument? Did you go through like middle school and play the flute or the violin? I think we all had uh, recorders at the time when they used to teach music in (laughs) in schools. Yes. (laughs) And then uh, my parents just for Christmas got me uh, a small drum kit, a Red Sparkle Zimgar. I still have pictures of that too. Amazing. So and, that's an entry level kit or something? Is that like what is that like a smaller yeah, yeah. kit? Yeah, it's just, you know, a Japanese company that was selling drums in, in the States here. And but you know, it was great. Just what I needed when I was starting, you know. I'm sure your parents appreciated all that <laughs> all that racket in the beginning. <laughs> uh, my parents were great. Like I said, they were rockers, so my friends would come over and set up in the living room and play and they wouldn't mind they loved it and then as years progressed we went down to the basement played downstairs and i could only imagine what my mother went through upstairs you know i always wondered about drummers you know (laughs) yeah it's not easy right it's it's not easy it's not something you can play quietly right especially do you want to yeah especially back then there were not electric kits where you could you know mute everything you'd like what would be a parent's like most regretful gift to a child and i think drums would probably (laughs) have to be on the list maybe that the violin you know, because the beginning, beginning right. part of it is painful. You know what I mean? The nice. part is painful. But it's or not- a violin. Hey. I never knew that story, George. That's a great story. Yeah. And all these years of playing together. I still don't hear all the George Bernardo <laughs> stories. Sometimes you're so busy getting to the show and getting things done and, you know, thinking about the music that it has been a great friendship, though. I'm trying to think of when we first started playing together. Oh, God, Ted. It was in... Um... 
I think it was 2005 when I started playing with you. My first, very first gig with you was at Sammy's in uh, Santa Ana. Was it Sammy's Original or something like that? Uh, original Mike's, right? Original Mike's, right. Original right, right, Mike's, right. yeah. Mm. There you Mike. go. In Santa Ana, right. We played out in the patio, and uh, that's when I first met you through um, our keyboard player at the time, Eric. Yeah, Eric, Eric Gabriel. Gabriel. Super talented guy. Mm. Brought George into the scene. And then we started playing together, and it's ever since, you know? I have an off-the-wall off question here. Do you remember the first song you guys played together on stage? Oh, I don't remember that. I don't, but I'm, I'm sure it was some kind of a dead song that was like, let's check out this drummer. Let's see what he's got. <laughs> <laughs> you play, play. Ico Ico or something. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. And yeah. The rest is kind of history. We've been doing this for a long time. Yeah. It's amazing, Ted. I mean, you've had Eric and George in the band since 2005. I mean, that's crazy for bands these it days. Is. That's a that's a real relationship. Also, should mention Scott McDowell on guitar. Um, yes. You now have Rich Kaler on drums and Nate LaFranchi on bass. Yes. Yeah, actually, we've you know we've we've had a couple of personnel changes since then. You know, Nate moved up to the Fresno area, tried to get closer to you, John. He's trying to get closer to the mountains, and uh, we've been playing with Martin Holland for the last oh boy, how long, George? Now it's been a few years. Time really goes by fast in a jam band. Believe it or not. <laughs> yeah, and prior to Martin, well, and, and Nate, we had Doug Lunn. I introduced Ted to Doug Lunn. That could have been that far back. Maybe not right away in 2005, but it was close. It was around that time because uh, Georgia brought in Doug Lunn to the scene who um, has passed away, passed away from pancreatic cancer what, five, six years ago. Yeah. It seems like yesterday. We, we miss him so much, you know? Yeah. And Doug was one of the L.A. cats, man. He was playing with everybody up here. He like just... Carl Verheyen. Terry yeah. Bozio, Vinnie Caliuta, all the great drummers. I mean, you know. They just love Doug Lund. Yeah, yeah he, he was a cat. Yeah. I remember when you brought Doug in, he had so much credential and so much validity to him because he was just had played with all these people. And he was the humblest, he was. most unassuming guy. That's because he loved all kinds of music. And, you know, every time I got off the stage with Doug, I would say, thank you for putting up with me. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Well, I'm so glad that I played with him before I knew about all his credentials because I would have been ultra nervous guy about the whole thing. And uh, I remember asking him one day, like, humbly, you know, like, well, why, why do you want to play with us? You know, I mean, all these songs, like, you know, I don't know. I didn't say it quite like that, but it, I alluded to the fact that, you know, he could be doing so much more. And he was very poignant and very, like, succinct that he loves this kind of music, the Grateful Dead, the original stuff we're doing, the, the extended jams. And he had grown up in San Francisco and heard all this music from in the early 70s and just was so open about every genre. It didn't yeah. matter that the song was two or three chords in some cases. it He made it this piece of music like a, like Phil Lesh would have done, where he'd take the beginning to the end and just th think of it as one long song, one piece of composition. And you really heard that from Doug because each passageway and each verse had a little different idiosyncrasy to it. Remember that, George? I mean, it was just oh, yeah. an amazing player that could yep. really chug it along or pull it back or sit in the pocket or be on top or you know, in front of the pocket. He was, it really made beautiful songs like Dylan songs and songs that we've done over the years. Just so beautiful. 
we miss Doug, and Doug's on all these tracks that you'll be hearing. So these 14, 13 and 14 songs that we've been working on for years were Doug's last recordings. I'm a little embarrassed to say that it's it's not completely out in a finished product yet, but at the same time, you know, we cherish this music because of you know yeah. who's on it mm-hmm. and the time period and what we did. And Doug was very instrumental in getting us to record. He didn't understand why, you know, in a <laughs> say in a Grateful Dead band, you'd play all dead. He had a mentor type quality to him where he'd say, well, that's a great song. Let's let me work on that a little bit. And he came back with suggestions and thoughts on the bridges and the choruses and, you know, keeping things up or bringing them back down. Much so that it inspired all of us to kind of go and record at George's. George is responsible for all the recording. George, are you a producer? Yeah, somewhat. You know, yes, he is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the, the tracks sound amazing, and it's yeah. all because of George and and the, and the love and the care he put into it. It was a process, but you know, it's done well. And, and there's some songs we even shelved for a moment because we wanted a Hello? way, you know, maybe a little more bluegrass or something. You know, we figured out like you know we recorded it, but then we realized you know maybe the song would be better if we did it a different style instead of rock. I wanted to ask you about Hoedown Jones. Do you remember, because we want to play this for our listeners right now, do you remember the recording of this song? I do very, very vividly. Mm-hmm. Hoedown Jones is, is a fictional story, kind of has a cowboy vibe to it, kind of a, a nomad with this lady that basically went around in a, a time past where they would play cards and he would he would always stack the deck so to speak he cheat mm-hmm. <laughs> hoedown jones was <laughs> was a gambling man as, as the song says he had a lady with him who always had a, a little pistol in her somewhere stashed on her body and she was always nervous that he was going to get caught at this cheating game of cards one day i just kind of crafted the song i was just feeling very i just wanted to write a song that didn't have anything to do with my life or somebody else's life. I just wanted to make up a story. I always thought it would be really cool. And so a few of the songs are like that. But Hoedown Jones is one of those stories where I just took the listener through a series of card games and a series of like traveling with this Bonnie and Clyde type couple. In the end, there's there's a great line about kill the man where he made his stand. At some point, he had to kind of confess that he was cheating, but no one was. This, these cowboys weren't going to put up with that. So I think it's a great song. I especially like the bridge in the song. We go to the bridge and then we do a, a long solo and then we come back to the bridge. Talking about, you know, playing solitaire and, and basically comparing solitaire to life and how you it's not just solitaire. Everybody's involved in life. Yes. Ted, I, I recall when you first introduced the song to us, myself, you and uh, Doug, we were in your shop rehearsing and you got, I got this new idea. You introduced it and it just flowed. It was like an, the one of the easiest songs that it was like, you know, some songs you craft and it takes a while to get to come together, you know, mm-hmm. but this song, it came together really fast. Yeah. Like, really one fast. of those things. It just, I do remember it that. all flowed. Yeah. Those are some of the best songs, right? Right. The shortest ones, the least effort, are some of your most memorable. So true. I remember coming up with the lick first, or not the lick, but like the the chord progression. I remember coming up with that first, and then that's when I decided to just write a song that was playful and fun, and you know, really just I made it up. You know, like like a kid (laughs) making up an essay. (laughs) George is referring to this time when we kind of got together and said. 
hey, let's rehearse these originals in a lump sum. Let's not do all the other jam like Fish and Neil Young and Bad and all the stuff that we've been doing for 20, 30 years. We thought, let's just focus on these 13, 14 tracks. And when we get together to rehearse, we're going to literally rehearse these songs. And it was a lot of work writing songs and crafting them and changing the bridge and changing certain things in the middle of the song and then having to rehearse that over and over again to make sure it flows right and it feels right is a lot of work and it paid off because these songs I think are yeah. very memorable and will we'll be around for a long time. I, I say that humbly. Yeah. And that's what bands should do. You know, you're supposed to play your own music, write your own music. The cover thing is good. You know, it's how you make a living in working in the clubs, but to have an album or two of original material in your back pocket to play is, uh, you know, that's what bands are supposed to do. Yeah, I, I alluded to that earlier, too, where Doug was a, a big inspiration because he felt that way. He'd say, what a great band. We have a great sound. Why don't we play these originals? Right. He was very matter of fact about it. Mm. And, you know, you don't hear that from really great players all the time. You hear that sometimes. But he recognized that we had all been playing for years together and that it would make sense for us to, especially I kept introducing a few songs and kind of telling the guys about some songs I had written and he wanted to hear them, wanted to work on them with us. That was very exciting to have someone of Doug's caliber and George's caliber and, and Eric say, yeah, let's give it a shot. Let's, yep. you know. Yeah, absolutely. I'm a firm believer in that too. We all have our own song. I think every person does. And some of us gravitate to actually finalizing that in a group of others. But I think it's really, if nothing was ever was taken away from this conversation except for that, it would be the inspiration to everyone listening to just create your own song, right? Just use your voice, get out there and, and create it in some way. I believe yes. it's really powerful in identifying who we are, whether it's in a collective or as individuals in either case. Uh, but a beautiful thing. And Doug, wow, what a great inspiration for you guys. It's awesome. Yes. Yeah, great. All right. This is George Bernardo. I'm the drummer for Hempstring Orchestra. You're listening to Gem Frequency Radio. We're going to introduce the song Hoedown Jones for you. a gambling man he'd sit to the right kept all his treasures neath the moonlight Chocomo was drinking gin straight was his fate wearing a green well let the game begin oh Don Jones had a drink in his hand looking around just to see where he stands Kill the man where he made his hand Got his sneaky be ready and no straight is his hand His latest on face and a chill through that place The table started rocking, picked the cards for the straights And praying for mercy just to see the sunlight Oh, Don Jones had a drink in his hand Looking around just to see where he stands Kill the man where he made his stand This ain't no solitaire, this ain't no game You bet our lives away to stay Here we've come face to face, all in 
Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Jam Frequency Radio Show. That was Hemstring Orchestra with Ho Down Jones. How awesome is that? Hemstring Orchestra is playing at the June Lake Jam Fest 2022. This September 9th through the 11th is the event. Hemstring Orchestra is playing on Saturday. Do you guys know what time you guys go on? I think we go on real early, but we're the opening band for Saturday, so we're really looking forward to waking up with everybody on a Saturday morning. Start the day off right. Dude, are you kidding me? What a great honor, I think. First thing, <laughs> everybody getting out there and checking you guys out. I would be remiss if I didn't talk to you, Ted, about DJE's involvement with the June Lake Jam Fest. DJE is Ted's company that puts on the stage, the lighting, you know, just all of that. I wanted to ask you, I guess, two questions. How many trucks to get all the stuff up from Southern California? And how long does it take to set up? Well, it takes several trucks because we bring the stage and the truss structure. And we also bring the lighting system with the sound system. So it takes a couple of trucks. We've been bringing some generators up from Southern California to power the event. This is our fourth year, fifth year of doing it. And we're so excited to be part of June Lake Jam Fest. Why is this event important to you? The event's very important to me because Janet Hunt and her husband, Bill, started this festival. And over the years, over the first few years of the event, we started talking about bringing the event to another level. And what we've been doing in Southern California with festivals since 2003 has been slowly building events year over year to fit the crowd, but also fit you know, the music, the genres. After speaking with Jana for a year or two about her event, we really formed a really good friendship, a friendship that's strong today. And we really respect each other a lot. So I've been coming up to do it every year. And each year we decided to build a little bit bigger. I have a great vision of the staging side of it. And Janet's had a great vision of creating this money for the schools and for art supplies, and music programs. So it's really gone hand in hand because as a musician, I value the fact that kids can be educated really early. And hearing George's story just is icing on the cake and <laughs> how important it is to have music in your life from an early age. Yeah. yeah. Arts in general. It doesn't have to be music, but that's the path that I took mm -hmm. and, you know, never looked back. All great reasons. And certainly, you know, we were talking about music before and how everyone should have a song. And if you start at a young enough age with being inspired to allow yourself to do that, and, you know, maybe this thing called, or leaning towards this thing called happiness, right? And that's just part of, <laughs> part of the experience here on earth, right? Being able to sing and dance and play music. It depends on what gig it is. No, just kidding. <laughs> well, what would be a bad gig? 
Is there a bad gig? Exactly. Yeah. It's it's like the fishing story, you know. A bad day playing is better than a good day at work. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. That's for sure. Uh, awesome. I do want to ask you guys about the album process. Now you were you've been writing these songs for quite a while, right? Ted and the band has been getting together. Why the length of time just to finish it up? What's been going on there? I know it's a it's a great question. I don't know. It's it's an interesting being in a jam band. And, you know, experiencing all this music and all these long jams is really interesting. It just kind of like I heard um, a graduation ceremony recently, and I had never heard this line that the days are long, but the years are short. And when I said that, somebody else said, oh, I've heard that a couple of times. You know, I, I told somebody else that just last week. I think it really rings true. I mean, the time's gone by. It seems like just a second, really, that we did it. I think in today's environment also with with not only jam bands, but the way people listen to music, it's really changed a lot. Having a CD and releasing it and having it burnt onto a CD with artwork and everything doesn't seem like that's the direction that people go anymore. And when you do, I don't know, I end up ripping the CD into like my phone or trying to get it somewhere that I can listen to it on a regular basis besides just my car. Wouldn't you say that's the case with listening today? I totally agree, Ted. You look at how it all developed from vinyl to cassettes, then to CDs, and eventually things become obsolete because there's new technology. Now everything's just all digital, and who wants to be bothered with having all these discs hanging around in your car and stuff, you know? So it's real interesting. So I feel like we are going to release it. It is going to come out. We just guess need a little bit more time. <laughs> right. Classic line. You've heard people talk about this uh, during the album process and CD process that, you know, oh, yeah, I go out and play that song. But, you know, we did that a couple of years ago. We're over that. We aren't at that point because these songs live and breathe and they're like a organism, you know, yes. in my mind. They just there's always a twist to it. There's always a cool jam coming up. There's always a improvisational part. That makes it interesting and why I want to keep playing the songs. But we sure did just take a snapshot in time, didn't we, George? Just a yeah, quick we snapshot we, and, we and did. all the things surrounding it. I think everybody in the band has a, a real heartfelt like love yeah. affair with that time period. And we're going to do it again. But we're like, well, we better get this one out. You've been very helpful, John. Thanks. Yeah. I know Superhero mm-hmm. and Spanish Moon. Mm-hmm. And breathe a sigh. I've been in the rotation, and those are from this recording session that we did. Playing our originals are always the best things to do on stage when we do it. We like playing covers and making extended jams and stuff, but when we play our originals, there's like more magic that happens. Yep. You know, just because it's us. I guess the reason for asking the question about the album, you know, and obviously formats are going to change and all of that. But as a fan, I'd like to have it all in one place. Right. Like just one kind of way of listening to the whole inspiration song one through through song 13. If it takes me an hour, it takes me two hours, whatever, 45 minutes. Right. So what's the hesitancy for just putting an album cover, even if it's just hamstring orchestra and black and white letters and putting all the songs in 13? I'm just curious about the thought process. I I don't know. Maybe I'm just sensing this, but like that hesitancy to want to finalize it. It's like, let's just keep it open ended a little bit because it's such a good (laughs) feeling, you know? Is, is, there, is there any truth to that? I don't know. You know what I'm yeah, saying? I agree too. George still wants to, to add some some things to it. 
I tell Ted, I said, man, these songs are so good. This stuff needs to be heard. We need to get it out there. Yeah, yeah we got to do it. And you know we'll what? Bring, it we'll is... bring CD copies up to June Lake. Yes. I'll commit to getting it done this summer. All right. I would like one very much. That's for sure. Plus, I have some other songs. So I was telling you about just looking back and, you know, spending a little time with my son, showing him some music and stuff. And, you know, I found a couple of really cool songs from, I guess, 2003, 2004 that, you know, did sound pretty good live, but they weren't as complete as what, you know, we were able to accomplish with this recording. I thought, you know, bringing these to the forefront now would be great. Like all good songs, I think they really are with the times, even though they're 25 years old. And I found that out when I was listening to some of my other collection. Some songs that rock and roll has done is, are timeless. That's, right. that's what made me fall in love with music. Yeah, yeah. Well, my two cents, and it's only worth about, you know, maybe a penny, is that you just document the stuff, right? You, you get it out, and then you just create the next, you know, like hang the art and then create the next, you know? Uh, I don't know. Yeah. And then revise it as you go. You know, you can always do the, the remixes or whatever a little bit later. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it, it's really just about having fun with it. Anyway, anything that you do is going to be You are right, though, because uh, all the jam bands in our scene, I right away think of Groove Session. I enjoy the heck out of those recordings. I mean, those are the ones I put in my car and I cherish and I make sure that they stay in their cases and don't get scratched. And I went on a trip to Arizona, a six-hour trip, brought Doug Lund's project with us. Doug Lund's project, yeah. Brought that to Arizona with me and was just transcended 45 minutes of my trip, listening to Doug play bass with some of the greats. So yes, I, I agree with you, John. Yeah, I don't know. Again, it's just one perspective, you know. If you're, you're enjoying such an inspirational guy to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I like I like I like to hang I like to have the gallery, you know, just hang it up. Yeah. Let's see what people think. And then if you, you look back on it and you go, you know, I'd rather do that one again or massage it, you know, you got you got time. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Sometimes we tend to be perfectionist, you know, it's yeah. like, oh, it's not finished. We don't want it to go out like that. You know, and you gotta realize, you know, it's never gonna be completed. Mm. Right. You but, could always make it better. Yeah. That's actually really good advice for anybody starting to try and put stuff together because, you know, and in the past, we really weren't a recording band. We're so used to going to play live and that's it. So I actually used to record a lot of our shows, you know, in the 1990s and stuff, and I still have them. I just, I don't go back very often and listen to them. What's really nice about these recordings is that of all the recordings that we've done, this is where you really hear the band shine, the vocals are right there in the forefront. The solos are right there. George did such a great job of mixing. The big takeaway for me is just that spending the time on this process really works to get the music to where you want it. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Even if even if there's a part you'd like to add or something, it's the quality of the recording is fantastic. And a lot of jam bands just do live stuff. You know, I'm being a long time deadhead. I've heard all kinds of great dead recordings and a couple that weren't so great. I concur with all of what you said. You're enjoying the process. It's taken you a while to write them. Here's maybe another thought. All right, so you're, you you write the song, you know, a few years back, and then you go in and record it, you know, a few years after that. Over time, your perspective changes because we grow and we evolve. So yeah, it yeah. kind of loses some of that initial inspiration because you're always growing and evolving. So it's like you almost just want to document, okay, this was this period, 
of how I thought at this, at this particular time. And I think George nailed it. It's like, it'll never be finished <laughs> because yeah. we're never finished. Yeah. You know, we yeah, really, yeah. we really aren't. So it's almost like, you know, all the lines are filled in, you know, I hear mommy hanging up on the fridge and, and let's move on to the next one. You know, before we go, we play the next song and I want to play it. George, I just want to give you kudos and because uh, Ted is saying your involvement in the production, it really is very well produced. And I go, uh, I, I, I have thank a critical you. ear for that. And I mean, whatever, it's just aesthetic and taste, but I really am impressed with what you've done with the record. Oh, I appreciate that. Right. Thank you. Yeah, me too. Me too, George. Mm-hmm. It's got to feel good. So when I'm ready to record my next record, do you have room for me? course <laughs> let me give you that some stuff for a second i was gonna say john your strawberry moon stuff i'm a big fan of all your songs too i think you got the same kind of bug huh to do original music i have been incorrigible my whole life you know when i start, when i started playing music when i was very young my mom said you have to play piano lessons i would come up with songs to act like i was practicing <laughs> to get out of practicing what i had to and yeah. uh, it was of course my mom after six months of that and I was making up pieces, right? I mean, I thought they were every night I would, you know, practice an hour and I would come up with something to kind of fool my mom and never got wind of it until the teacher said, you know what? I know he's playing, but he's not playing what I'm teaching him because he doesn't know how to read wow. notes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And of course, at that time frame, it was considered being disrespectful. So my mom said, all right, no more lessons. I still played, but my first, I guess, inspiration is to create, not to copy. You know, even as as I got to play over time, you know, you want to play in cover bands and then like, learn this riff, learn this. And I really, really, really struggled with that. I guess I just needed to have my own opinion (laughs) about everything. It's like, Jimi Hendrix is great. And I love the tools of pulling off and, you know, all of the tools that you kind of learn, but really it was like, how did it make you feel? But I don't want to talk like them. They've already talked. (laughs) I want to talk like me. So exactly. I, I came to that conclusion, like late in my, 20s mm-hmm. because I had played in Grateful Dead cover bands and that's kind of all I wanted to do from the time I was 18 and when that happened I time was maybe 21 22 mm-hmm. probably not ready to be in a in a dead cover band but I definitely learned how to play through Jerry Garcia and it seemed very accessible to me because I could hear it yes and you know I sat there and practiced and practiced but as I got into my late 20s early 30s I realized that it doesn't make sense to just do that with the level I was at. Because I think that some of the dead bands that are doing it are amazing, right? Just nail it. And I got to the point where I felt pretty comfortable with it, but I also realized when I sat down with an acoustic guitar, because I love to play, that I was playing my own little riffs and my own little chord changes. And then Cindy Bumgarner, we worked together where we were close friends for a long time. I haven't talked to her in a while. But she helped craft the songs and in some cases wrote the lyrics to the songs and i gotta make sure i always give cindy credit because the songs have been such a big part of me we were roommates together for years and we would sit down and i would write these little riffs and these little chord changes and we kind of goof around with them and then you know one day when we were living in detroit michigan she just came up with these lyrics and they were amazing spanish moon she wrote I wrote Spanish Moon as quick as she wrote the lyrics, which was about two hours. And we had all these parts down. It was that time in my you know, late 20s, early 30s, I realized that I'd really like to try and do some, something that is memorable to me and that has my legacy, not just like you said, John, playing the Jimi Hendrix lick or the Jerry lick, even though I'm in awe of people that can do it. Yeah, for sure. Well, it is exciting to be able to mimic 
Right. You know, but again, it's like you're mimicking somebody else's energy and there's a lot of satisfaction in, you know, copying the greats, certainly. Reinforcement, right? Like, Hey, I'm a guitar player and I I can play this dancing in the street slick by the Grateful (laughs) Dead, like that Jerry did. For me, it was reinforcement for a whole decade. Right. Struggled with really understanding whether I was a good guitar player, whether I was a okay guitar player, if I was going to do this. When I first started playing guitar, I looked at it as I was going to do it the rest of my life. Much to my father's chagrin, because he thought it was maybe a little phase or something. Right. <laughs> I sat there and just played guitar. You know, I said, no, this is something I want to do the rest of my life. I can picture myself doing this the rest of my life. You know, here I am in my mid-50s and still feel really good about playing music. It's helped me through a lot of times. Indeed, music is, like we talked about, it's, you know, if we are made of energy and vibrations and all of that, music vibrates and it does resonate within us. And I can't overemphasize, you know, getting music into the schools so kids can have that experience. The fact that three of our schools up here in the Eastern Sierra do not have music and have not for over 30 years. Janet has, and you and all of us really, who are contributing towards the momentum to helping these kids have these experiences. But what I wanted to ask you, all right, because you said, you know, the song Spanish Moon took like two hours, right, to put it together. Since then, you've had many, many hours in your life. Why not a Spanish moon every every other day or something or every every? Do you know what I'm <laughs> saying? A question. I mean, you think about it. <laughs> it took me question. two hours, and I've been holding on to it for what 10, 15 years, and it's like, why not just you know? Okay, we're we're writing one now. Let's do it. You know. You know what's interesting is that Cindy and I haven't talked in a long time just because we're both busy and I run a company with employees and she's a teacher at a university and super busy. One day about probably 10, 12 years ago, she sent me that song, Willpower. George knows the song. We haven't played it quite yet. But she sent me that, the lyrics to that. And I sat down after probably 10 or 15 years of not writing with Cindy or being, you know, in the same room with Cindy. And I knocked that song right out. It only took me a couple of times to read it to go, oh, I kind of get what this is about now. I don't know if Cindy feels that way because it's always interesting to take lyrics and then hear somebody put music to it. But it has been like a Garcia Hunter kind of vibe with Cindy and I. And some of the other songs, you know, were co-written because we just got into writing about them. Hoedown Jones is interesting because that's one that I just wrote myself. But Spanish Moon is one that Cindy wrote by herself. Mm -hmm. It was complete right out of the gate. I mean, she just wrote it. So, yeah, I don't know. It's it has a lot to do with inspiration, I think. Yeah. And, and there's no wrong way to do it. It's a question of, you know, I did it. I rode my bike yesterday. I'm going to ride it again today. But it's not, it's an interesting kind of conversation about create, being creative and allowing that flow. Yeah. And I know we have lives and we have things going on and, you know, not everything is about writing a song, for example. It's, you know, there's a lot of parts yeah. to being a human, but I always wonder about that. Why, why not just write another one, write another one, write another that, one. That is the magic of music. And inspiration comes and you're kind of blessed that it appears. Got it. Yeah. You know, I think about Caveman in a Snowstorm, this other song we're going to, you know, Cindy wrote all that. We co-wrote it. There was like a bridge part where I just got it. I do enjoy writing with other people, the, the lyrics and the music. I really do enjoy that part of it, the collaboration of it. But it does take a lot of trust and you have to have a certain friendship with someone to do it. Mm. Yeah. For me, it was Cindy's talent. <laughs> She's an amazing talent. I mean, her songs were and are just timeless. Now, she wrote the music and the words or just the lyric? She wrote just the lyrics mm-hmm. to most of the songs. It was interesting because she has a couple of takes on some of the songs with her own. You know, over the years, she's learned how to play some guitar and uh, has done some of her, some of her own takes. 
I, love I always think back about Spanish Moon and the bridge she thought was a little quick for the lyrics. And I remember, George, you and I spending some time on that bridge to make sure that yep. I tried to slow it down a little bit because one time, a long time ago, she mentioned like, oh, it seems like a little quick there for the lyrics. Mm. So that comes with a lot of respect for the person that wrote them. Hi, this is Ted with the Hempstring Orchestra, and you're listening to Jam Frequency Radio. The song is Spanish Moon.
gentlemen that was hamstring orchestra with spanish moon how cool is this band we're fortunate in our local radio station krhv that we have this in rotation just tearing it up and we'll get hoedown jones in there and this next song of course i want to ask some fun questions but i want to do that in fact let's ask the fun questions and then we'll talk about some more music from the record but george let's say you're going away to the mountains for a weekend and you have no electronics and nothing to do but bring one album and a record player which album do you bring for the weekend oh wow that's a big question <laughs> i always have a hard time i know just one well the good news is that it's only a weekend so you're not like having to spend it on a desert island where you have to live with it for months and years kind of thing <laughs> so you're just like hey, what, what do i feel like listening to today you know it's like you know barney and friends is on the list you know sesame street you know? <laughs> a lot of people ask me this all the time what do you listen to what's your favorite thing and it's like wow that's just a hard question for me to answer because yeah. i like everything 
Yeah. And I really only have an answer on the tip of my tongue because I was going through my collection yesterday. And I don't know what the album is, but I would have to say the band is the band. As I heard, it makes no difference in Twilight yesterday. What great songs, you know, and so different. The band really had, I guess it was music from Big Pink, right? The one with the pink house on it where they hunkered down for a month or something and recorded in that space. And I just think that all those songs from It Makes No Difference, Tears of Rage, I could definitely listen to that for an entire weekend. Never get tired of it. And interestingly, here on KRHV and the radio station, I'm relentless at asking our listeners, our collective, if you will, to make suggestions. And over three years, we're close to 1,600 suggestions. And one in the last couple of weeks was Makes No Difference from the band. Nice. Robbie Robertson singing that is just a a tear-jerking song. All right, George, we're going to narrow it down. You thought of a few albums, right? I want to know right now, what's the first one that just comes to mind? I got to go, honey. I'm getting in the car. What album are you taking? Bam. What is it? <laughs> Dude, don't get in the way. Come on. I would probably yell out, get me my uh, Bob Marley Legends album. <laughs> yes. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, well, it's got all of, you know, it's a classic, right? It's just because of the chill vibe, you know? It's just... It really is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, one of the masters of our... The earth is fortunate to have him, but the fact that we were able to experience him in, in at least a part of our lives when we were younger. I know a lot of the kids these days always say, oh, I wish I had been able to see or whatever. And the fact that we had those opportunities as children is, uh, or younger people. Yeah, my cool. digital collection has a couple of uh, Jamaican live recordings. I was such a live guy over my life. When I got into it, I mentioned earlier that I was changing Bob Marley into Bob Marley and the Whalers and just kind of organizing my digital files. And I listened to some Jamaican live Bob Marley, and it's it's too bad not more of that's out there because his live shows were off the charts. It's funny you say that, like when CDs first came out, all my CDs that I bought were like live CDs. Sonically, it's not the same as the studio, but it was just the energy of a live show. I was the same way. And now I play a lot of music in between sets at festivals. And because I'm an audio engineer, you know, I take some of my collection with me and put together playlists. I'm still a guy that puts playlists together. I don't rely on Spotify or Amazon Prime Music to do it. I kind of pride myself on putting my own mixes together. And I've noticed the same thing. I have so many live albums that I don't want to play in between live bands or live sets that some of that stuff I just don't play. Same thing. I noticed that too. When CDs first came out, I really cared more about the live performance than I ever did about recordings. And that's changed over the years because I really love the sonic quality of a great recording. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so I wanted to ask you another fun question. All right, both of you. If you've got a game to play with your family or a significant other, what is the game that you choose to play? Hilarious. I would say, what's that one? That one that's called Scruples or something? (laughs) That was always fun. Love a good game of Monopoly. Who doesn't? You got a couple hours, you're good to go. Of course, we always fast forwarded that, you know, just kind of hand out the properties to everybody and then trade, and then you're good to go. Got it. Whittle down or whatever, but yeah, it's a fun game. So you bankrupt someone on Park Place right out of the gate. Right. Just buy a hotel and you're done. My favorite game, it wouldn't even be a board game. It would be something where everybody's sitting around and you create the story as you go improvisational kind of game you create a scenario and then the next person takes over and enhances the story and see where it goes from there as you pass it along to the next person it just becomes this improvisational kind of flow that you have no idea where it's going that sounds like a great game until george is standing there with his underwear on 
<laughs> well, you know, that's part of it. You know, wow. who gets murdered? I don't know. <laughs> right. That's awesome. Now, there are different versions of that, too, right? Where you could say, like, everybody say just one word. Right, and you create oh, a story yeah, right, by the right, one right. word. It's great in the car yes, ride. Yes, 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 Wow, I love that game. That's awesome. <laughs> another question on the lighter side of things. What is the best piece of advice another musician ever gave you? For me, it's play your own music. Let's do our own thing. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, to me, it would be play what you feel. Play from your heart. Yeah, know? yeah. Very good. But I want to ask you, you know, you've had a great life being able to play music and keep that in your sphere. You're a family person and an amazing dad and all of that. But is there any one philosophy that you've adopted, maybe from a parent or a mantra somewhere that has just kind of defined your steps? My father always had a funny line about, you know, I'll do any job, he used to say. And he always would say that when he was, you know, raking the leaves in the yard or, or doing, you know, changing the oil on a car or, you know, some, the irony wasn't lost on me, but he'd do any job. And I've, I've always felt that way. I'm always willing and able to do whatever it takes, whether it be janitorial services or whether it be building line arrays and large sound systems. Great advice. Just do what's necessary, right? And, and be humble about it. And it's a funny line, you know, because my brothers and I would always hear the same lines as most kids hear their parents' same lines, you know. But it was always in the moment when it was, you know, picking up dog poo from the yard or <laughs> yeah. or some, you know. Mowing the lawn. Yeah, cleaning out the attic or the cellar back east. It was always in these moments where you'd say, I'll do any job. <laughs> yes. Perfect advice, too. Just remain humble and be, yeah. be cool with doing it all. It's awesome. All right. So, George, you got any philosophies that you've adopted along the way? Just always work hard, constantly working hard. If you're able to do what you love and make a living, you're lucky. But hard work does pay off. It really does. I agree. I have a saying for musicians there. Some days it's steak, some days it's hot dogs. Just never know what's going to happen. I thought you were vegetarian. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it's ups and downs, you know, but if you're doing what you love, it doesn't matter. Yes, absolutely. Yes. I have appreciated speaking with both of you. It's been a lot of fun. And is there something that I have not asked you that you'd like to, to share with our listeners and your fans? I can't think of anything, John. You're the best. <laughs> yeah. You're, you're too, you're, Thank you. You're, you're too kind. Maybe just not where our first beer is going to come from when we come up. Ah, <laughs> nicely done. We're going to have to get together. No, absolutely. We, we plan on it, Teddy. I, we're looking forward to coming up and seeing you. And, you know, part of doing the production services side of this is I get to come up real early, spend a week up in the mountains. And uh, I just, you know, I think the world of you, John. Oh, thanks, Ted. I appreciate that. And, and ditto. So looking forward to coming up. It's been too long. You know, we've had to do, we've had to postpone for two years because of the craziness of the world. And we're just so excited to be coming back up. I really yeah, think it's going to be great. Right, right back to the magic. Yep. Yeah. First time I really knew 
my friends you have a great rest of the day i do appreciate you thank carry you. on until we see you soon thank you so much john for taking some time out of your day to talk to us we're thrilled and honored to be coming up looking forward to it 
That concludes another fun episode of the Jam Frequency Radio Show. Thank you to the artists for sharing their story and music, and thank you for tuning in. If you'd like to learn more about the Jam Frequency Radio Show, visit the website at jamfrequencyradio.com. I'd love to hear from you. If you resonated with this week's artist, support them. Go to a show, pick up a t-shirt, download their music, and tell a friend. Thank you again for tuning in. This is John DiMaria signing off from the Jam Frequency Radio Show, where words and music kaleidoscope. Right on.